0: Welcome to episode two of the TNA Top Ten, your weekly college football podcast. I'm your host T-Weave. With me as always is Andrew. This week we're going to look back at week one of the 2023 college football season and we'll look forward to week two. At the end we will give you our top ten like we do every week and there's only one thing that I think our listeners want to know Andrew. What is your rant this
1: Terry's number one. It's not T Weave. It's put it in reverse, Terry. I got the shirt that says, Back up, Terry. Back up. And you need to back up along with every fair weather fan in America. This is the deal, ladies and gentlemen. Your team lost week one, and it's okay. The sky's not falling, the world's not ending. We're not having a a meteor shower or or an asteroid strike, rather. It's not nuclear holocaust. And God help us all that Joe Biden is not going to be the president of the United States again. What happened was your team lost. And guess what? It's okay. I promise you, Clemson doesn't finish 6-6. and Okay? Nebraska is going to be back and give you guys a game. And speaking of Nebraska, Terry, 92,003 fans filled up Tom Osborne Field you know, the house that Osborne built for a volleyball game, same fans, the minute they lose to Minnesota, start bitching, crying, and whining about how, oh God, it's more of the same. Number 26 lost by less than a touchdown in five years. Yeah, I get it. It sucks. But here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen, from 1962 till they fired Frank Solich in 2003, Nebraska was the program. They fucked up and it's been 18 years or 19 years of misery at this point. Guess what? You got the right guy. It's about running. It's about intensity. It's about playing to your strengths. And you lost the game because you turned the ball over four times. What team on this planet wins if you turn the ball over four times? to all my Nebraska fans out there, shut up, except for when we boo Dion on Saturday, and let's go back to being the Nebraska fans everybody loves. And now I'll take a breath.
0: Go ahead, (laughs) Terry. Well, that sounds good because, you know, honestly, um, obviously you're a Nebraska guy. I don't know that I've thrown this out there too much, but I'm an Auburn guy. I graduated from Auburn way back when. I've always kind of seen Nebraska as somewhat of a mirror of Auburn with some of the mistakes and coaches firing. Coaches being fired, you know, it's like, and I always look at Nebraska, like you said, with Solich firing. I, mean, I think he won nine games the year they fired him, didn't he? Something like that. And he didn't, he didn't, uh, he won 10
1: games. Plus okay. the ball game.
0: Plus he the can't. ball game. And so he that's played the kind for the of
1: nonsense.
0: Yeah, that's the kind of nonsense that some of these programs really face, you know, these bad decisions. And you pay for it for a while. But I think. You know, obviously, neither of us is probably winning a national championship this year. But I think we're both on the right track. And um, let's talk a little bit about that Nebraska game. Give me your analysis. I know you dug into this more than I did. I I did a little bit. I wanted to make sure I was ready, but what do you got it.
1: Okay. so first we went from 6 to midnight automatic when they ran the Power I. (laughs) Power I won national championships back in Nebraska. They did a great job controlling the ball. They were playing physically. Minnesota is a tough team, and it was a tough first game, but you don't win football games when you turn the ball over four times. I know we're going to talk about Clemson, but what cost Clemson the ball game last night? The inability to execute. They failed to execute over and again, and that's exactly what Nebraska did. Jeff Sims throws the ball three times, three interceptions. You put your defense in a bad situation, it's an away game. It's a conference game. It's a division game, and it's a new coach, new defense, new quarterback, new players, and you lose thirteen to ten because your offense puts you in a bad spot. The three three five defense from Nebraska, I'm loving. They're swarm tackling. They're getting after it. They didn't have a pass rush, but the last time they ran a three three five base, and Dominic and Sue was the anchor of the front of that defense. We don't have an Indominus suit yet. We don't have an all-pro that's going to multiple Super Bowls yet. But what we do have is a framework that's going to work. And when we get to the Colorado game, I'll I'll tell everybody why. But this reminds me of the Pelini years. Tough on defense, making the other team earn everything they get, and then bad plays at the end of the game cost the game. There was a season Pelini was half a dozen plays away, from having an undefeated, se- undefeated season and being a national championship contender. And so that's what this reminds me of now, because that defense is going to be what keeps Nebraska in football games with a young offense and a very unproven offensive line, and apparently running backs that are going to put the ball on the ground when it matters most. So I said <laughs> last week to somebody, "It's it, we're going to find out how long the season is going to be this year, And uh, they yo-yoed my heartstrings all the way through. And so uh, it is what it is. But uh, Auburn in a blowout. (laughs) (laughs) We (laughs)
0: picked the right team, I think. Well, I mean, back to Nebraska, I think, you know, to continue with this comparison, when I was in college, I was at Auburn during the Coverfield years. And we had defense the whole time. And we were in. Every game. And, you know, Nick Saban wasn't there yet. So we had a big streak of Iron Bowl wins, you know, obviously. But defense is what did it. Once in a while, we would have an explosive offense, and those were the big years. But, you know, then we kind of flipped it over. We said, we haven't had a great offense. Let's disregard defense and and just throw it in for offense. And, man, it was so tough because you're like, there's no consistency. You're counting on this offense to do everything for you. And it, it's just very difficult to be a fan of that because I'm so used to, you know, I'm used to Bo Jackson. I'm used to running the football. I'm used to pounding away, owning the line of scrimmage, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust. And we were seeing everything except that. And that to me, it, it's just not the same. And it is very tough on a, on a, Fan base to be able to compete, especially in the SEC, to do that and and expect to do anything consistently, because you'll have that one game all year, and for whatever reason, it's always Arkansas for us. It seems like eleven o'clock Jefferson Pilot game. I hated that in college. We would get up early. We would go watch. Watch us get our skulls beat in by an Arkansas team that we knew that we could play with, but for whatever reason, you know. That day, it just wasn't happening because of the consistency. I just like the consistency of defense. You own the line of scrimmage. You know, get some offensive linemen that can control it. If you have to punch, you have to punt. But own that field position and that clock and and go with it. And that's what I prefer. And, and, you know, I have a lot more confidence.
1: Well, I I agree with you. And here's, you know, the thing is about Nebraska – and you know this if you if you know anything about the university or whatever. Osborne had the scoring explosion. He has all, he's had all the running backs, all the quarterbacks they could play. But until Charlie McBride came to Nebraska as the defensive coordinator and they put the four four three in place, Nebraska's defense put Nebraska's offense that didn't need any help in positions to win football games. That if you look at the nineteen ninety five Cornhuskers, that was really the height of everything. They were number one offense, number one defense. They beat everybody. I think the margin of wins was 30 plus points. They're often talked about as a top five best college football team ever assembled. They couldn't play football the way they play now, though, because when you had the Winstrom brothers or you had the Peter, and they're all over the quarterback. I mean, they are eating his lunch. And that same team hung 50 on Oklahoma, you know, and hung. Oh, by the way. 50 and 10, they beat Nick Saban, who probably is the greatest football coach to ever wear the headset. So to your point, for me, it starts with the defense because, you know, especially when you look at some of these teams Nebraska is going to run up against, you've got to get stops. You have got to stop a Michigan from being able to play their playbook. You've got to stop a Penn State or a Wisconsin or an Ohio State from playing what's in their playbook. And if you can stop them and, and neutralize them, then you give your offense a chance. But yeah, Auburn, mad respect to Auburn, always a good team. Malzon great coordinator. Not a big fan of Gene Chiswick. Sorry there, Terry. I know he's the guy that got the national title, but well, he know, got a little help
0: from a big six six quarterback there. Yeah.
1: That was a running back too.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and a receiver once <laughs>
1: Even if you remember that season, though, and I'm not – I mean, I don't want to bore our audience, but you remember that season. Was it the first four or five games Auburn won by one score? And oh, it yeah, they seemed had to like build up out, for
0: sure, yeah. Came
1: down to the last minute, and then when you get guys like Fairley on the defensive line starting to play ball and yeah. give Cam those opportunities to get into scoring positions, you guys beat you, – you had the uh, run back from Alabama that year, too, if I'm not mistaken, um, where, where Saban kicks the field goal – but leaves it undefended, and the guy gets the run back for the for the for the win. And obviously, that, there goes Auburn to the national title. That was actually um, 2013.
0: The 2010 oh, 2013. game, okay. Alabama was up huge at halftime, and Auburn stormed back to win. And w- there were some lucky bounces, That's particularly a football that was bouncing like a yard from the sideline for about 30 yards. That was a fumble from the Alabama running back. And without that without that weird blessing of a bounce for 30 yards, Auburn wouldn't get that ball back there. You know, that kind of thing happens. You know, a lot of people like to say it's the Jordan-Hare luck. But, you know, we'll take whatever we get, Rob.
1: Yeah, I had it mixed up. That's my bad. But both great Iron Bulls, both, uh, both yes. games. But anyway, the point was you storm back with the offense. The defense is the anchor of the team. And in the SEC, as these teams come into the SEC are going to learn – you better have some semblance of defense. I mean, I understand that that Saban put fifty six on Middle Tennessee this weekend, and Georgia put thirty eight, and Tennessee looks like the offensive firepower that I thought they were last week. But at the end of the day, you got to get stops in the SEC in the big games that matter most. But anyway, we we can move on. I'm ranting again about defense. <laughs> That's okay,
0: we wrap 30. up that. <laughs> Let's wrap up the Auburn game a little bit. And, you know, a little bit of analysis there before we move on. There are some concerns. Um, you know, they, they had a little bit of a hit on the quarterback, UMass's quarterback early, and that helped because he was a little hobbled the rest of the year, rest of the game. But um, I think a mobile quarterback is going to hurt them. They're going to have trouble stopping the run. They've got a good secondary, but the defense all around is not there. They're not uh, they're putting a little bit of pressure on the quarterback, but the run game's gonna be tough to beat, especially a mobile quarterback. So that's kind of where we are there. Um you know, quarterback. You calling it. Well, I think it looked good against UMass, but what does that even mean? Okay. So when right. Peyton Thorne gets these SEC defensive linemen in his face, what's he gonna do? You know, I mean and he's He's a veteran. He was at Michigan State. He's thrown for a lot of yards. But, I mean, they weren't that successful last year. There's a little bit of a reason for that. He didn't come in as a Heisman contender to Auburn. You know? He didn't come through the transfer portal because things were going great at Michigan State. So that, that's obviously a thing. Now, can Freeze get the best out of him? We'll see. But it's going to be a buildup. And um, the top running back was in a little trouble, so he got suspended. I don't know if he's going to come back this week against Cal or not. Um, I want to see us move the ball on the ground. Are we going to be able to do that? I don't know. But You know, there's still a lot of questions. Big win, 50-something to 7 or whatever it was. Um, proud of that. Step in the right direction. Still a lot of questions. But, you know... Well, Cal's a big thing. You know,
1: coming this week. If, you want to, if we want to jump into this week's coverage, Cal's a big trip because you guys are playing there, aren't you?
0: Yeah, and it starts – the game time is 9.30 Central. So all us folks over here in the Central time zone, for you it's going to be 10.30 at night. I mean, that yeah. is ridiculous. And then um late I saw 30. an interview with yeah. Freeze. Yeah, I saw an interview with Freeze where he said they didn't set the game time Until pretty recently, so they're actually going out a day early, so they're going to have a full day of nothing, followed by nearly a full day of nothing before the game starts. That that's a lot of sitting around, you know. Who knows what happens there? And I know that's nitpicking a little bit. If you got the talent, they show up and play. But like I said, we got questions. How's that going to affect us? And they got a pretty big running back. Like I said, it's hard to stop the run. I'm a little more nervous about this than I was at the start of the year.
1: Ten thirty is a late start time too to get motivated and get the best out of somebody after they've obviously been up all day yep. or whatever it's been. I mean, what are you gonna do? Force them all to nap at four o'clock in the afternoon and the, you know, you know what I'm saying? It's because yep. their clock is gonna say it's ten thirty at night or nine thirty, because we're at Auburn, you know. Um, right. on the time zone and you're, you're talking about them. They're not kicking off until I guess it would be seven 30 in California, right. but that's nine 30 according to their bodies and their schedule and everything else. So the good news is they're all younger than us. Even me, even though, you know, I've still got a three in my age, you don't, know, but um, well, they're a little bit more in
0: shape than we are too. So, they, you know, there's that
1: very true. I've been hitting the gym hard, but I am not ready for football. Let's put it that way. Um, but anyway, no, no, I I think Cal's probably, too, one of those teams that you could easily overlook. Yep. And to your point, if if your Auburn Tigers look over them to the next week thinking, ah, it's going to be a fun trip to California, blah, blah, blah. And Cal does what they've done in the past because they've upset teams before. I yep. mean, I'm not saying they're a great football team. I don't know that the, the Pac-12 has a great football team. But anything can happen. Aaron Rodgers wasn't supposed to Aaron Rodgers wasn't supposed to win all those games at Cal, and look what he did there. So, and that was the same year that USC was running wild on everybody. So, um, oh, I know, was, I was rooting
0: against them over and over again that year. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so,
0: so, let's stay out there, you know. We're talking Pac-12. Obviously, the big story of the week is. Um, Dion, at least, you know, he shut some folks up. Do we overreact to what happened with Colorado? Um, What is overreacting to that? This is kind of a new thing with the transfer portal. He replaced 86 people on his roster and then came out and won a big game against TCU. What do we take from this?
1: First, I want to temper the discussion on how big the game was. TCU, the last time we saw them, lost 52-7 to to Georgia. You talk about overlooking an opponent, opponent. That game should have been Michigan and Georgia. Should not have been TCU and Georgia for the national title. Number one. Number two, the Pac-12 does not play defense. God bless Sanders' kid. He put 510 yards of offense up against uh, TCU in an incredible outing. People think because I'm a Nebraska fan and we got Colorado next and there's a storied rivalry there that I'm going to shit all over Coach Prime. What I'm going to shit all over is his obnoxious-ass glasses, his loud mouth, but there's one thing you cannot deny, and that's he's got that team bought in playing for him inside their system, their program. And if you notice, Terry, that team already plays with swagger. They play with Coach Deion Sanders' swagger already. There was a play, his, his kid and the wide receiver sitting there fussing at each other. This is the first game. It didn't matter. They're playing it, you know, into that point. But they allowed seven yards of carry. They allowed eight yards of pass. Yeah. So defensively, Colorado is not good, which will lead me to my point about Nebraska in a minute. But with Coach, Coach Sanders, you want to call him Coach Prime, whatever he wants to go by. That's fine. Uh, big win for him. I don't think he shut anybody up, though, because the Pac-12 has Washington, Oregon, USC, you know, and uh, there's some big teams. Utah, all four of them I put in the top 15 this week. Don't have a problem telling our listeners, and so we'll, obviously we'll get there. But, I mean, Utah came to play in Gainesville, and they they did it. You know, so – but back to Colorado, they're young, they're fast. Um, It's like watching the Oregon-Chip Kelly days is what that reminded me of because Oregon didn't have to play defense because Chip Kelly was going to put you on a 90-second offense and they're going to be at the end zone. And that was just the way it was going to be. But the way they were flying around, all the motion that he uses to confuse the defenses – um, and quite frankly, as creative as Deion Sanders is and his coaching staff, I think we saw him just scratch the surface of that offensive playbook. Defense is what's going to cost that team football games. The lack of defense. But good for them. Good win. Big win. I think TCU was overrated personally. Uh, they lost a lot, including their offensive coordinator um, from last year. So I, I, I think we have to temper... How high we're gonna put Dion on the pedestal, but good for them. I mean, really good outing by Colorado, and there's no way to shit on it, other than to say they didn't play defense. When you let another team score forty plus points, you didn't play defense, you know. Well, I've been doing a out. lot
0: of. I've been doing a lot of thinking about this. What does it really mean? I think what I give him credit for is he knows to talk. He knows how to talk to his players. He knows how to motivate, yep. them, and he knows how to talk about them. Like, he's really out in the media. He's firing back at folks. You know, the players see that, and they see, my coach has confidence. And that's good, you know. And, you know, a lot of times, it really comes down to that. It's inside these guys. And and can they relate to this coaching staff enough to do something for them? Game one, they did. Is it just a game one thing? Does it kind of fall short next week? How? I mean, it's a long season. You can't. You can't rely on that kind of motivation all year. Um, you're going to have to come and gel as a team and really find some consistency. Uh, and you mentioned four teams, you know, the big boys in the Pac-12. You've got USC, you've got Oregon, you've got Washington, you got Utah. They've also got Oregon State on their schedule that may give them some fits. I think it's at Oregon State. There's several games where they're really going to have to show up. And, um, you know, is their defense just bad enough to let somebody squeak by them? You know, I mean, there's several opportunities for losses. I will say there was a lot of predictions of of that team winning three or four games. I think they're bigger than that. Um, Yep. The question, though, is do they win six or do they win nine? And I don't think we know enough right now. It's week one. They've got plenty of opportunity. You know, I, like you said, I don't think he's really shut anybody up, no matter what ESPN wants to say about it. Um, but he's a step closer to that. We'll see. He thinks he has, <laughs> but that's one and zero. Oh. He's supposed to be that way, so I don't I don't fault him for that. But um, you know, just like a lot of other teams, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna crown a Heisman winner from Colorado, and I'm not gonna crown the national champion from Colorado with week one. With some other teams that may have had a slow start and then pounded the team into the ground, you know, I'm not going to fault them for their first quarter slow start because it's the beginning of the season and those things happen. So we'll see what happens.
1: Yeah, he was definitely ready to rock and roll, but you and I have the same set about about Sanders. He is a player's coach and uh, they love him. I mean, it's very, very clear that they love him. And that doesn't, you know, people don't understand how much that matters. You know, I have the perspective of being a Nebraska fan for so long. Osborne walks on water at the in Nebraska and in Nebraska football history. Devani had a better win loss record for the time he was there. Ed won the national championships. But Osbourne walks on water. Yeah. That's right. Osborne's the one who walks on water. Saban is God in Tuscaloosa. Mm -hmm. Kirby is on his way. You know, they're going to build a statue to Kirby Smart because he won the national title two years in a row and is playing for the third time. My whole point is those coaches are loved, admired, and respected, and there's a little element of fear, too, from all all three of those. I'll put Sanders up there already as somebody who knows – like you said, how to get his players to play. They know how to win. Do they know how to lose? That's going to be the other question.
0: Yeah, sometimes sometimes one little chip in their their whole armor.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Exactly. So we know they know how to win. Do they know how to lose? Now, to the Nebraska game this week since we're on Colorado, the formula for Nebraska should be very, very simple. Quit making stupid penalties. You, you, you cost yourself in the red zone twice against against uh, Minnesota. Number two, control the ball, control the clock. <laughs> if if Sanders' kid is stuck on the sideline, guess what they're not doing? They're not running that offense. Wow. So if it's me and I'm and I'm Matt Rule, and I think I can run the Power I formation, and we can run right, left, up the middle. We can run a couple screen passes or swing passes. We can hit the play action at the mid. I'm looking for a minimum of five, six, seven-minute sustained drives. Here's why. In a shootout, Colorado proved that they can score. They can score fast, and they can score often. The only way Nebraska beats Colorado this week is by having the defense locked down on them, and that offense doesn't put them back on the field in three plays. Because Colorado's going to score against Nebraska. I'm not going to do what Keyshawn did and shit all over my Huskers, but Colorado is good enough. They're going to score on Nebraska. What Nebraska has to do is limit those opportunities, and the way they do that is a sustained drive that takes six, seven, eight minutes off the clock and really breaks the Colorado defense. Because this game's in Boulder which is advantage Colorado already even though half the half the stadium is going to be scarlet and cream whether Dion wants to ban red from the building or not <laughs> but at the end of the day it's going to be good defensive a couple good defensive plays and Nebraska's ability to run the ball otherwise Colorado in a runaway cuz they'll avalanche him and they'll never get out the
0: hole that's right yeah, that's what I'm seeing. Uh, I saw that the I think what I heard was it's a three-point spread. Colorado favored by three. Uh, I've already heard people complaining that it's not more like ten, but you know, I just um, you know, I can't I can't base all that crap based on one week. Let let let's see what happens. Right. Right. Let, let's um shift gears a little bit. Um, you know, big game of the weekend, at least until last night, Florida State and LSU, you know, LSU Whew. playing with them in halftime, but that changed pretty quickly in the second half. I mean, we learned a lot there.
1: Quarterback's the real deal at Florida State. Their defense made the plays they needed to make. Yeah, LSU got the garbage touchdown on a bad special teams play there at the end, but that one should have been 45-17. Yeah. And uh, – far more lopsided. I mean, even David the QC made a joke. About, I made a joke to him that I picked Florida in a close, Florida State in a close one. They want nothing close about it right. in that second half. Yeah, I mean, the question is, Florida you know, with it being
0: a week one thing, it's like, does that mean Florida State's that high? Does that mean LSU drops off? You know, it, it's going to be tough. It's like, where do you put LSU at this point? Because, I mean, at least first half, they showed some some life. Um, second half was a completely different story. Um, what happens when you you start looking at like LSU, Ole Miss, and these games coming up? Um, what are we thinking? Because I had them. I kind of had um below Alabama, but not a whole lot below Alabama, but above the big gob of other teams in the West. But do they slip down into the big gob of teams, or are they still a notch above? I just don't know.
1: Yeah, I would say, I would say that um, they're right in the middle with everybody else at this point. And I know it's one game. But Brian Kelly's your head football coach, and he's not the best coach in the SEC, contrary to what he thinks. Um, he got out coached by Florida State. Because Florida State went into halftime and made adjustments. LSU kept doing the same thing. And at the end of the day, that's not going to work. The other thing about LSU – is all their really good football teams were built by defense first, mm-hmm. they haven't had a dynamic quarterback at LSU in years. They've had quarterbacks that have su- sufficed, but mm-hmm. what kept them in the ball games always was going back to the to the twenty two power the run game, and going back to defense. They didn't play defense at all in the second half of this one, and Florida State is one of those teams and always has been, whether it was Bowden. Or Fisher. Or now uh what's the guy's last name? Napier or uh what's this guy's name? Is <laughs> it Napier? It's something Florida like <laughs> State Coast. Whatever it is. It doesn't matter. But the whole point is they get that momentum and they are not a team that takes the foot off the gas pedal very often. Um I mean, this is the same same program that walloped Clemson at Death Valley, uh, when famous Jameis was the uh quarterback there. But anyway. Norva. I think LSU showed us. Who... Oh yeah, Norva. My bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, I couldn't. It doesn't matter. They weren't very good last year. They <laughs> put it in reverse. He won't get no heads up. Uh but the the thing is, though, for me, is Florida State is a is a blue chip program and always has been. Um, and you saw the talent of Florida State football this weekend. Um, and the notch in their belt, whether you like it or you don't, is the ACC beat the SEC heads up. And uh, Florida State got a lot of respect from me this week, and uh, and it was the way they did it, that dominating fashion. The Florida State quarterback's going to be, you know, already Heisman talk, even though it's week one. Um, and the question mark for LSU is, you play in the wild West of the SEC. to your point, you're gonna face Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. You're gonna run into Auburn, you're gonna run into Alabama, you're gonna run into A&M. you're gonna run into Mississippi State. Uh, how do you respond?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like how does the team respond? because they got their asses handed to them in that second half.
0: Yeah
1: And they got bullied. And they got beat up, and um, Florida State just rode that confidence, and it was like watching Bobby Bowden coach again because the players believed in what they were doing, believed in what they were doing.
0: That's true, and I mean, I feel good. You know, and I did pick Florida player. State. <laughs> I did pick Florida State to win the ACC this year. You know, and this weekend, you so did. far, one game in is looking pretty good there. You know. Uh, Clemson, I don't I want don't to say there, it's another one of those, obviously Clemson is not firing on all cylinders there, but where do we put Duke? I mean, how good is Duke after what they did to Clemson? Because there was no question. This whole game, they just dominated Clemson the entire game. Where do we put Duke? I don't know.
1: Yeah. Before we get to Duke, Billy Napier is the Florida coach. That's my bad. If Dave and the QC, somehow (laughs) you actually chose to listen to us, I apologize. Secondly, um, Clemson couldn't finish. Two fumbles, two block field goals. The fumbles are in the red zone on the one-yard line. Seven trips to the red zone, and you come out with a touchdown. Not good football. They could not finish. Um, Bad start for Clemson. And I picked them to win the ACC. Obviously, there's plenty of time for them to do that. But one loss Clemson doesn't make the playoff. I said that last week, and I stand by it. One loss ACC champion does not make the four-game playoff. Now, next year, when they expand it, yeah, one loss ACC champion is going to make the playoff. But this year, one loss, no way. Two losses, you might as well just write it off. You're not even playing on a January one bowl game at that point as the ACC champion. Um, I am far more intrigued now by the possibility of this Florida State Clemson showdown. Far more intrigued. And um, North Carolina came out over. She came out over uh, South Carolina too, and they looked good. North Carolina looked very good in their yeah. in their Mayo Bowl outing. But uh, um, I don't say that because I live in North Carolina. I'm not a homer for Mac Brown or anything, but. Um, at the end of the day, Clemson's start to this season um, is bad. But here's 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 something we should have ranted about: Paul Feiderbaum is probably the least credible, most unbelievable, other than Stephen A. Smith, jerk off that they put on ESPN. Because this son bitch thinks Dabo's done. Okay, he lost one game. Yes, he lost to Duke. Yes, they got it handed to him. But at the end of the day, Clemson's bullied a lot of teams for a lot of years. And every once in a while, they get bullied back. It just it was their time to get bullied. Um, he said Saban, Saban's legacy depends on this season. Now, this today, he says Dabo is done as a head coach. What are you talking about? The man won two national titles. They've won, what, 10 ACC championships or some nonsense since he's been there? Um, Get the fuck out of here, Paul. I mean, you're an idiot. He's 100% absolutely out of touch with what I like to refer to as reality.
0: Well, I would like to see, you know, two teams obviously from week one – really going to be watching close, Clemson and LSU. It's like, where do both of those teams go from here? Because, you know, they both have talent. They both have coaches that have done things. How do they pull it together? How do they move forward? And do they really build?
1: I can't speak to LSU's coach because I don't like him. I mean, spoiler alert, boys and girls, Brian Kelly was at Cincinnati, didn't like him. Was it Notre Dame? Didn't like him. He's at LSU now. Don't like him. He's not the guy. That's it. Number one, he's not the guy. Number two, on Clemson, they were the superior football team and lost by three scores. Yeah. There is no denying Clemson had the better football team, right. the better players. They had more. They had more yards. Their defense looked okay. But when you fumble the ball on the one-yard line, not once but twice, two blocked field goals, I mean, it was a perfect storm of what's happened. The thing is, Dabo knows, and Dabo is a motivator. Them boys are going to route whoever they play next.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely.
1: Clemson in a runaway.
0: Yeah, I think so. And, yeah, that is a little bit of a difference because Clemson had by far the most talent in that game. But LSU did not. You know, Florida State's got the talent in that Florida State-LSU game. So that that kind of showed up there. <clears throat>
1: well, that's what I was kind of getting at. Just, you know, when I say it's anybody's game, I don't know that TCU didn't have this much talent as Coach Prime's Colorado. I don't know that they weren't equal because it was a shootout, you know. Um, but it was really lopsided in that Clemson game and the score come the other way. It's just one of those really weird things about college football where you got a team you know should win, and they don't win. And that's why we love this. That's why we love college football is because the mighty fell in the first week, and they fell hard. Both Tigers fell
0: hard this week. That's true. They're both Tigers. That's right. So, you know, I'm looking at this coming week and what games we have on the slate. You would hope that there would be a big bounce back and some star-studded games here. But I'm still lacking in seeing these big games. You know, I know we got Alabama and Texas. And I'm searching. I'm trying to make a short list of these games. Nebraska-Colorado. I've got Auburn and California for, for our purposes here. And those are decent games also. But then I'm looking for other other stellar games, and I'm still not seeing them yet. This season is setting up to really delay the big marquee matchups, other than the Alabama-Texas. Obviously, that's a huge game. But then I'm looking at stuff like Troy-Kansas State to be a good game, or Ole Miss-Tulane. I mean, this is the kind of thing I'm looking forward to this week. I'm like, let's let's get some big games in here I, I just this season seems like we're really delaying it next season is going to be different obviously because we're going to have 30 team conferences or whatever we're going to have and that's going to change the whole ball game but but um, I'm still not impressed with the slate that we have ahead of us and it's going to be tough to really say even after next week that we know a lot about some of these teams boy I see it. yeah
1: Georgia Georgia versus Ball State, as an example, 42-point favorite, Georgia. Ohio State, Youngstown State. Penn State, Delaware. NC State, Notre Dame. That one could be okay. Utah, Baylor. Colorado, Nebraska. Clemson is going to play Charleston Southern. Charleston Southern, I'm sorry. It's going to be a 70-point loss or some nonsense.
0: They may Um, actually get negative points. They'll figure out a way to get negative points this week.
1: Now, Ole Miss-Tulane is actually a top 25 matchup, according to the rankings. Yep. And uh, North Carolina-App State, don't ever count App State out. That's what they've taught people over the <laughs> That's years. That's
0: Michigan, yeah.
1: Michigan, and they beat A&M, remember?
0: Well, Jimbo's and I crowd. will say, my first game as a student at Auburn University, uh, 1999, I transferred in after a couple years of years at junior college. Um, Tuberville's first game. We were supposed to have the Bowden Bowl. This was supposed to be the first Bowden Bowl, Florida State coming to Auburn. We bought that game out, and it was a good thing because we needed a Hail Mary in the fourth quarter to beat App State that game. Florida State would have rolled us, but that was my first game as a student at Auburn. So App State is definitely, even when they were back then, you know, not in the FBS, they made an impact. So that's a big one. That's
1: probably something. Yeah, App App State's just somebody to watch because they're so good at what they do. Um, Sorry, I was looking over the other games. Um, USC versus Stanford a couple years ago, I would have told you would be one to watch, but the Stanford program, unfortunately, has gone the wrong direction. Um, Even though David Shaw was an excellent coach, I know he's not there anymore. So we'll see what Riley does with that. But... um, I agree with you. I think I think the big game of the week, other than for me, Nebraska-Colorado, and that just goes back to the fandom because uh, it always came down to Nebraska-Colorado, Big 8, along with Oklahoma. Um, I think it's Texas and it's Alabama, mm-hmm. and this time it's at Tuscaloosa. So as good as Tarkeesian is, he knows what Saban's all about. He worked for him. Um the GOAT has his mind set to win another national title because seven ain't enough. And uh, I think they beat Texas by 21. And that sounds like a lot, but Texas couldn't get out of their own way in the first half. And Alabama, on the other hand, now granted they played Tennessee. It was middle Tennessee, Terry, relax. Middle Tennessee. I can see the serious look on your face when I say they played Tennessee. But, you know, Alabama did what they did. They run their plays. They played their call. You know, they called the plays. They called their defense. They won 56 to seven or whatever it was. It wasn't a game. Um, and, and everybody, please don't think I think Middle Tennessee, Alabama is a football game any more than Georgia versus Mercer or whoever it is this week that they're going to absolutely destroy. But Saban's been out of the conversation the last couple of years, and I promise you he don't like it because he coaches his teams to win every year. To win every game, and you know, t- joking about the Middle Tennessee game, it could be your local high school team, and he's going to coach you like you're playing the national championship against him.
0: So he's going to yell at you if you're up by 60 in the fourth quarter and you jog it on a play. You're going to hear about
1: it. Funniest thing I ever saw was the uh, LSU game when they went they uh, they lost the the game to LSU at the in the night. And then they both ended up playing for the national title. They went back to the national title game. LSU did not cross the 50 until the last minute of the game. And it was by a penalty. And Saban lost his shit. The game's over. I mean, the game was over at the first series. Alabama's defense just ground LSU into the ground. I mean, they were now. And I think the game was only 21-0. to But it was as lopsided of an affair as that 52-7 game last year of Georgia and TCU. Um, But the funny thing was, Saban knows he's won the national title again. He beat LSU again. And he's throwing the headset, screaming and hollering, with 90 seconds left in the national championship game because they just crossed the 50 for the first time. And it was a stupid offside penalty. That did it. That was his whole point. It was a mental error that you guys, you know, and uh, th- that's what there will never be another one like him ever, ever like Nick Saban. So his preparation, you don't think it irks him that Steve Sarkeesian came as close to beating him as anybody last year and they oh, had yeah. to rally back in Texas by one point. You don't think he's got that rat poison out on the bulletin board ready for everybody to see that, you know, Texas and the Alabama are going to play this week and blah, blah, blah. But I think it's going to be big game, big home team. Alabama needs to make a statement. They win by three touchdowns.
0: So there's a little bit of revenge pettiness going in this game, too, because last year the Alabama band not traveled to Texas because they were going to put them in the upper deck. Well, this year Alabama decided not only the band, but all of the students, all the tickets that they gave to Texas to sell, they're all in the upper. So a little bit of revenge there. I saw that this afternoon. (laughs) I think that's hilarious. It's
1: petty, but if you're, but if you're Nick Saban, uh, we all we both been to football games. The student section is the loudest section in the end zone. Why are you going to put them in the end zone when you can put them up in the nosebleeds? That's (laughs) right, and it's a big stadium, so it's
0: pretty far up there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well. No, but I'm, I just, I don't think, as good as Starkeesian is, I told you, I think they win the Big 12, but they do it 11 and 1. The other thing is, we may have both underestimated Oklahoma, and yeah. we may get into that later. And I know they didn't play anybody, but 73 to 0, they put the yeah, goose egg I mean, up this last week. The yeah. zero
0: to me, you know, a lot of these games are like 58 to 10, 58 14, 24. Zero speaks volume. Because it's one of those yeah. things where we didn't allow anything past the goal line. We didn't allow anything through the uprights. Zero can be much more impressive than a three or a seven. I mean, you are in complete control of that other team's offense. Zero speaks volumes. And, you know, I, I agree. Oklahoma, we, we need to see what else they can do. But um, in Arkansas State, it's pretty bad. But – um pretty interested to see what That's it was. Yeah. So, so I don't know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I got a couple of things listed here as a little comical, um, you know, everybody's talked about this, but you know, I picked Oregon to win the Pac-12. You know, we talked about where are the Pac-12? They got a handful of teams that are competitive. There's no defense out there, but um that duck. I feel bad for that guy. 500 and- 46 push ups. This freaking guy, he's got to be. Exa- he couldn't wash his hair the next day. I mean, this guy's really. Struggling. <laughs> I mean, I suggest this guy brings a sign saying, Run the clock, coach. You know, this guy really, uh, <laughs> he's struggling. He's struggling after this. But well, I mean,
1: the, the other thing is, they might, they might move him from the duck to the middle linebacker if he keeps <laughs> doing all them push ups. Because, <laughs> I mean, He's going to be built before the season's over. To your point, he did 546 <laughs> push-ups Saturday. That's insane. Uh, don't, it's absolutely insane. And he did it in that damn duck costume. And yeah. I don't care where the game was, if it was in Oregon yeah. or somewhere else, you know he's got to be roasted inside that costume. Yeah. And he's doing push-ups, you know, every time they score.
0: I don't know. I mean, Phil Knight's kind of – putting a lot of money in that program right he's probably got air conditioning inside that thing Uh, there's no telling he may even have you know (laughs) truthful he may have something helping him do those push-ups inside there who knows who knows he may not be doing push-ups on his own there may be some kind of spring action going in those little duck arms you don't know
1: ladies and gentlemen this is nerd terry also (laughs) engineer terry not football. I'm trying carries. to help the He's guy, you know. How, how, how the duck got 546 on the pushups ups He doesn't believe he did it. We'll see what Oregon does this week. I don't even know who they play. Is it somebody they're going to route? Hold on. Oh, it's Texas Tech. There will be no defense in that game. <laughs> yeah, I
0: don't, I don't think Texas Tech is all that good. I mean, they've got a pulse, but I just don't see it being much different. And, you know, I'm kind of – you know, I, I don't know where I stand on Oregon. You know, I, I picked him to win the Big, the Pac-12. But you know, as part of that, I'm an Auburn guy. I still want Bo Nix to do well. It's really sad though, that Bo Nix was criticized in Auburn. Goes into the transfer portal, goes to Oregon, and next thing you know, there's this giant picture of him in Times Square trying to advertise him for the Heisman at Oregon. You know, if you know, they've done that before and it backfired on them. Let's see what happens, but. I would love to see Bo Nix lead an Oregon team to a, to a big season here. Um, you know, he's he's done a lot over his career and, and been through some coaches at Auburn, obviously, and it's good to see him settle in over there. Pac-12 is what it is. It's all offense. Maybe that sets up for him. Let's um, – We need to measure the arms of this mascot out there before the season starts and measure them at the end And that'll be really telling of how well that this Oregon offense plays. You know, that is
1: what it is. There you go. 100%.
0: So the other thing I had listed here, um, and I've seen criticism, this is pretty interesting, Penn State had game in hand with like a minute and 20-something seconds left or so, fourth down, and they go for it and score, apparently. And that put them over the spread. And there were some really pissed off people about that. Like I don't care either way. They won, you keep playing. Um, but it was pretty comical to see some of these insanely mad people that lost some money on that. But that's um you know, I don't think my coach does that. We kneeled, we could have put some more points on the board and we kneeled, but it's twenty twenty three. The foot the game is not like that. You know, you keep going. You keep passing in the second half, you get your other guys in, and you just keep practicing because eventually you're going to be up against somebody where those few snaps where you keep playing are going to matter. So it doesn't bother me too much, but I just thought it was common.
1: Well, and not to, um, not to mention, let's be honest about it. It's all about style and pizzazz too. When it comes down to that playoff committee, And they want to see, oh, Ohio State routed so-and-so by 70. Oh, Oregon ran 568 yards and scored 50, whatever it is. They're comparing what your output is. It's no longer a, well, I guess we need to go ahead and put the third string in and let them get some reps. So that way, if they're called up, they're called up. People want the style points. They want want the ridiculous finishes because – How do you have a point of separation otherwise if you have an average margin of victory of 15 and another average margin of victory of 30, who's the better football team? Well, you would say, oh, obviously the guy that's got 30. But who are the other teams they played in the 15? So I know it goes all into their formula and the way they lay things out. But coaches don't have the luxury anymore, Terry, of using the fourth corner as practice for the 22 guys that they brought with them that they're hoping to make the second or first team in the next year or two or three. So um, at least they don't in the way we do modern football. Um, Because like I said, you know, lifelong Husker fan, Osborne most of the time had the starters were sat before the second quarter was over. Then they'd come out and they'd open the third quarter. They'd get one drive. They'd get the first drive. And then it was only second and third teams at that point. And so – when people criticize Nebraska, they run the score up, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, they did. They ran the score up, but they can't play it. And when you're playing against our third-string third running back, who at one time was a Mon Green, I guess it's okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> there you go.
0: Yeah, we used to See be able all right, to talk about these guys, I and mean, especially running backs, because schools used to be able to really go three deep. So, I mean, in Auburn was kind of that way. You know, early 2000s, Auburn had Ronnie Brown and Cadillac Williams. And they had um, Brandon Jacobs that never got any play in time. But what did he do? He went to, like, northern Illinois, southern Illinois or somewhere. He ends up being on the New York Giants and being a big name. But you used to be able to stockpile. You can't do that anymore. And a good example of that is T.J. Finley this past weekend. This is a guy that went to LSU lost his job, went to Auburn, lost his job, ended up at Texas State and beat Baylor in, in week one. I mean that's um yep. that's what this is what's happening now. You give guys opportunities to go and there's hundred and thirty something teams now. I mean there's plenty of places to yep. go where these guys that have some talent that maybe were not quite good enough for the power five they could go sneak up on somebody because you don't think about Texas State showing up and beating Baylor. But they did, and it only takes a good quarterback. No, but they did. So that's what happens. And yeah. um, and sometimes that's all you're missing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So why don't we go ahead and step into the top ten? We've got an interesting gob of teams here to start this out. And, you know, when you got two people voting, there's going to be a lot of time. So the first tie this week, we've got USC, Washington, and Tennessee, all tied at number eight.
1: Well, that's Uh, Terry's fault, ladies and gentlemen, because I (laughs) definitely ranked Tennessee higher than eight. And so y'all blame Terry. It's Terry's fault. He screwed it up again. Washington's better than USC, in my opinion. USC is the more established team with the established quarterback and the established coach, but they're still losing two games this year.
0: Yeah, that Pac-12 is kind of hard for me because I see a lot of those teams being pretty close to the same level. USC, I see the yep. team, but I also see they have some weaknesses. You know, Utah, we talked about with the defense. Um, they're the kind of – shut, shut Florida down. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I know you're not there yet.
1: shut Florida down.
0: They did, yeah. And we haven't really even talked about that game. But you know, Florida, that's been I've seen a lot of people saying Florida's just horrible and I don't know. That's what they showed this week. I don't know if they bounce back. Um, you know, Florida's a storied program. This is not just some mediocre yep. program. They um they're not gonna put up with play like that for very long. So hopefully they bounce back, but we'll see what happens. I don't see it. And that's the thing. It's like, they're not, they're going to get a new head
1: coach performance. uh,
0: Probably so. I imagine so. So I didn't mean to interrupt
1: you. Yeah, they're going to get it. No, no, that's okay. To your point, Florida Florida donors, Florida donors aren't going to tolerate it. They had the and gun with Spurrier. They had business as usual with urban Meyer, you know, and all the criminality that happened under his watch, but whatever. Watch the Netflix show kids. That's a free plug. Um, But seriously, to your point, Florida was an SEC contender year in and year out. It was Florida and it was Tennessee, and it was Alabama and Auburn, you know, and it was everybody else. So, um, I don't know. I think uh, I'm not shocked that Utah won. I was more shocked in the way they won because they made Florida look stupid. Like, Florida looked like they didn't belong on the football field with Utah. And Utah was without their starting quarterback. Ran a dual quarterback right. system, and they they didn't even have their big weapons. That that's what I. I it's just it makes you concerned about Florida, you know, in that way. Yeah. Um, I don't think Georgia's concerned about Florida though after seeing that right. outing, or is Tennessee? But anyway, but anyway, Terry, we're on. A, so you said it's Washington, USC, and Tennessee. Tennessee.
0: Yeah, and USC moved up a spot. They were at nine last week. Tennessee was at seven last week. They dropped the spot. And Washington came. Yeah, you didn't explain yourself. Unranked.
1: You need to explain yourself to our listeners how Tennessee is not in the top five. I would like to know, sir. How did you not rank Tennessee in the well, top five? Let me five tell here? you. Let me
0: tell you what last week looked like. So last week, you and I'm going to throw you under the bus here a little bit because you and I had Florida State <laughs> and Tennessee tied at seven last week because I had Florida State high. I'm proud of that, and I had Tennessee lower. And you had Tennessee high and you had Florida State lower. So, hey, I'm still good with this. I don't care. I, when they show me, yeah, I know. When they play a team with a pulse and they do it, I'll, I'll give it to them. You know, there's a few teams I'm really looking at. Um, with the Pac 12, I'm putting USC first in my voting in the Pac 12. Not necessarily, even though I picked Oregon to win, because I still have that idea of I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt until. I proved myself right about them not being that top team. So I'm going to keep putting them up there. Right. I'm kind of like that with Tennessee. I'm kind of a prove it to me. I'll give it to you. I'm ready to give it to you as soon as you beat somebody with a pulse. But um, we'll see. We'll see where they go. So number seven. Okay. Texas jumps up three spots from 10. They were tied for 10th with Clemson last week. This week they are at number seven by themselves. A point above the three way tie for eight. Then, number six, a little bit of a gap between seven and six, we have Penn State. They dropped one. Most of that is from Florida State jumping up. So, Penn State kind of stayed in the same spot, but Florida State moved up. Obviously, I gave away a little bit. I'm not telling you where Florida State is, that's no surprise. But, you know, Penn State pretty much stayed the same. Ohio State is at number five, and they dropped three spots. Again, not necessarily because they did anything wrong, but all those top teams won, and they were pretty impressive. Ohio State started a little slow. That probably influenced the voting there, so they dropped three spots from two. Um, number three, a tie between Michigan and Alabama. Uh, roughly where they were. Michigan was number three last week. Alabama was number four, so they bumped up a little bit. Um, You know, a lot of football to be played, and we've said plenty about these teams. We haven't said much about Michigan, but they just went out and got the job done, so there's not a whole lot.
1: Yeah, they play. They, they play the ECU, which to your, you know, your line is a is a team with a pulse. But they're easily the five or six team in North Carolina. I mean, you got the three Carolina teams right there in the Raleigh area: in Duke, Carolina, and and NC State. You've got Wake Forest, the Demon Deacons. Hell, you got App State, which is a they're they're primed to beat somebody every season. You know, um, and ECU was okay, and that's actually where Lincoln Riley came from. You know, before he went to Oklahoma, he was the assistant head coach at uh, ECU, but Michigan was also without Jim Harbaugh. So, you know, we'll see what happens. He's got his three-game self-imposed suspension or whatever. Even right. after the NCAA cleared him, they said, we're still going to suspend you. What the fuck world do we live in? But anyway, um, <laughs> damn fucking people that need a blank and a timeout and a safe space. Anyway, moving on before I get real angry. The, the deal well, There's is, a little again, more to say about <laughs>
0: Michigan here they acted like the man died or something because he's on a little bit of, well, I mean, a little bit overkill over there, you know, but we it. we'll can, put it behind us and, yeah. and we'll just judge them based on what they do from now on. That's all, that's all the, that's all the air time we'll get for that nonsense. So number two. Well, and
1: on the topic of, on the topic of Ohio state, hold on, put it in reverse, Terry, because I already know <laughs> who number two is. Cause I, I know we ain't voting against Georgia, but, uh, on the topic of Ohio State, I don't want to be whoever they play next. Right. They were slow and they were sloppy yeah. in that game against Indiana, and that's what that's what I downvoted. It wasn't that I that I had told everybody the to rule. And now, since we've decided we're going to be more entertaining, ladies and gentlemen, it's like church. It's like brunch for the gays. This is the rule of Ohio State. Fuck Ohio State today. Tomorrow and forever. Okay? So that's the rule. But I acknowledge they are a really good football team. Yeah. They didn't play like they were a really good football team. They were unfortunately that team in the top five this week that played beneath, really beneath their potential. And I think they punched down to Indiana. I don't think they played Ohio State football this weekend. And that's where that's all I wanted to say about why I dropped Ohio State. It isn't personal, even though it is fuck Ohio State on the regular. It is that they didn't look like the Ohio State that hangs 50 on people. And just that offense that overwhelms people play after play after play. They didn't have the snap of the physicality this week. And Indiana hung tight with them. I mean, they lost by 17. But this is Indiana. This is We're not talking about the Michigan game. We're not talking about Penn State. You're not playing Wisconsin yet. So, anyway, go ahead, Terry. Tell everybody who number two is.
0: Well, hold on. I'll put it in reverse a little bit more because my thoughts on Ohio State, you know, they've won a national championship in my lifetime where everybody was saying they're not winning by enough points. And every week they were winning by a touchdown. They were winning by three. They were winning by 10. And it was like they kept doing it. And that's really what you got to do. You don't have to beat somebody by 40. It doesn't matter who they are. As long as you win every one of those games and you keep doing that, if you can stay consistent, then you're there. But if you look at our, you know, when the graphic comes out, you're going to see these big gaps in the points. There's a big gap between number six and five for a reason. These top five teams are really showing they're the top five. You know Penn State's striking distance, but they're not quite in that top five yet. These five teams, they are a cut above everybody. So obviously number two, and Dion may have denied his service with them as number two, but Florida State Seminoles at number two, jumping five spots. Yep. Um, yep. I, you know I didn't expect them to be number two. Um, I voted them four, you voted them two. But like I said, those five teams are kind of interchangeable there, except for Georgia. There's this four-team cluster there that's going to kind of probably keep going back and forth until somebody really plays a tough opponent. But um, Florida State just came out and and showed something against, you know, LSU. We talked about them not really showing up as much, but they're still – they're still LSU. They still got talent. Florida State pushed them around, owned the game, and, and just controlled it the whole time. So that's why they're going to Yeah. And let's crack
1: Like I said, it's the overwhelming, it's just the it's just the way they did it for me that puts them in the two spot. And the reason Georgia stays in the number one spot, Terry, is because until someone takes them down, they're number one.
0: Yeah, and, that, that's you That's know, it
1: for me. It's real simple.
0: Yeah, and honestly, and there's plenty of opportunity. I mean, we talk about how weak their schedule is compared to other SEC schools or whatever, but, you know, um, they're still going to have to show up and play some football games and win. They're going to play Tennessee. You know, Auburn is still a season or two away from really competing, but, you know, and it's kind of earlier in the season now. Um, Auburn requested to split those Georgia-Alabama games up because that was just torture. Um, And they moved it early in the season. Um, So that's pretty soon. But, you know, they got to show up and play. You can't go on autopilot against these SEC schools. So there will be plenty of opportunity for them to prove it out. And I'm with you. They get my first-place vote until I am really impressed with um, them not deserving it. You know, I mean, they are standing above everybody else, and they're four points above the number two team. And there's, you know, there's two points that separate the two through five, but they are four points above those four teams. And, you know, they own it for now, and they'll keep on.
1: And I will not vote Georgia anything but number one until they lose. So, spoiler alert, guys, that's how it's going to (laughs) be, because they're the Kings. And when you take a shot at the King, don't miss. That's all I'm saying. To the South Carolinas of the world, the Floridas of the world, the Tennessees of the world, the Auburns of the world, y'all got your chance to make your bones this season by taking down Georgia and keeping them from being a contender for the three-peat and the national title. Go ahead and do it. Prove us wrong. Make it an interesting football season. I am scared, but until they lose, Georgia's number one.
0: Yeah, I think so. You know, I will say this, though. we see an overtime game with Georgia Southern, is that who they're playing this week? (laughs) Then I might start. Stop it. They'll win by 50. (laughs) Hey, hey. There's a quote from Saban last time they played Georgia Southern that that is used quite a bit. That um, This Georgia Southern team, they'll sneak up on you. So they need to show up and play. But, you know, we'll see what happens. That's what I expect. Any final thoughts this week? That's right. You know what do we what do we expect to see this week? You know, obviously we said the slate's still pretty weak. We got the Alabama-Texas game, couple of other games. What are we expecting to see? What are your thoughts here?
1: Well, I'm not going to say it about say anything more about Nebraska, but I will say this: we're going to follow up with Coach Pride, see how he does on the uh, the uptick because you've won one game. So let's see how it looks. As the I guess they came out with the poll tonight, they're number 22 in the country. So let's see how Colorado looks. Um, interested to see how Ohio State plays this week. I think they're probably in or anything. I don't think they're in jeopardy of, of losing by any means. Um, I think probably you'll see some teams that make some serious adjustments. One of the games you didn't mention, Terry, is Texas and Miami. Texas AM, and excuse me. So I'd be a little interested in that game. Um, no, it's fine. But, I mean, you got old school. You got Jimbo Fisher. And, look, guys, I'll probably shit on A&M as the season progresses because Jimbo always seems to be ranked high and or ranked. And then they don't deliver at A&M. They just do not deliver. Right. Yeah, you beat Nick Saban one time. Good job. Mm-hmm. The Alabama game, for anybody that wants to know, is a 7 o'clock ESPN game. And right now, Alabama is only favored by 7, just for information's sake. Southern Miss plays Florida State, by the way, sir. And Georgia drew Ball State. So, unfortunately, the um, the riders of Ball State are going to get destroyed. Ohio State has Youngstown State. So, Youngstown State's going to give up 50, 60, 70 points, whatever, yep. whatever it's going to yep. be. But um, there's a couple intriguing games on the schedule, but you're right. We're not to the meat of the schedule yet for me. The Nebraska-Colorado game is a big deal. The Alabama-Texas game is going to show people where both those teams are, I think, more so than anything. I just think, unfortunately, for Starkeesian, as good a coach as he is and how great a comeback story he has, his guys are just going to be outgunned in Tuscaloosa. Um, I, I, don't, I don't think they – but they were outgunned last year. And they, they took it all the way to the wire. So <clears throat> we'll see what happens, but Coach Prime will be a big deal. We'll see what uh, – hell, what's Duke going to do to follow up their, their – because hopefully for Duke's for the sake and their fans, it's not a one-miracle game and then they just, you know, shit the bed the rest of the season because right. nobody wants to do that either. So, you know. Um, but I think I think the top five will be safe. Um I think the Miami game could be fun with Texas AM. Yep. Obviously, uh prime time's gonna be uh off Texas and Alabama and uh like I say, um as you like to say rather, we'll learn more about what we think we may or may not know. And probably Paul Feinbaum will put his foot in his mouth before the week is over. So all y'all that maybe end up being a rant next week about what idiot Paul Feinbaum has said, um, talking about how Gabo's done as a head coach. Get off of me. Good Lord. But um
0: forward to. So uh, I don't know that it's necessarily this week. We will learn some things this week. I want another another week just to think of something. The places I'm focusing are there's several teams, like I said in the Pac 12. Who's gonna show up and say they're the team? I don't think anybody's really done that yet. There's been some blowouts of nobodies, just like everybody else has. Um, Utah had their game against Florida. I don't know that that's enough to really for them to really solidify themselves as the team yet. Um, I think there's something interesting with Texas and Oklahoma going. You know, even if Texas loses by two touchdowns by Alabama, to Alabama, I think um, there's still questions with Texas and Oklahoma moving forward. Who's really going to take control of that? Because, you know, their game against each other is going to be huge later on. I think the SEC West is a big glob of teams, especially with LSU getting knocked down like they did. Um, can anybody put anything on Alabama? You know, there were some predictions from some people, not me, that Alabama would win like seven games. You hear this crap every year, and it's just nonsense. But who's who's going to show up? Is Ole Miss going to be able to show up and – put a good game to Alabama. There, there's several teams. Um, what's Tennessee? You know, obviously I'd rank them lower than you do. Um, and there's several teams in the Big Ten. You know, we've got Michigan, we've got Ohio State, we got Penn State.
1: Wisconsin, I
0: thought, didn't really impress me much at all this weekend. They seem slow and sluggish. Um, but there's a lot of football to be played. So I'll be focused on all those things. What is Notre Dame? Who knows? We'll see what happens. Who Vandy's cares? two and zero. Oh. No, Vandy's two and zero. Oh. Let's keep pushing it. Keep winning. Keep a zero in that loss column for Vandy and see what happens.
1: And Duke is in the top twenty-five because they made Clemson look silly. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right. Well, thank That's you again, okay. Andrew. Always. And a little hey, more buddy. fun this week. I wasn't staring down an agenda like I have, like I was last week. Getting used to this podcast thing, but we're gonna have some fun. I really appreciate it. It's gonna be a fun season. We're gonna throw some rankings out. Hopefully somebody starts arguing with us or something. So
1: if we build yeah, up a fan you know, base. I love to
0: argue. Oh I yeah. I love to argue with people.
1: Dave in the QC, this is for you. Tell me why Florida State should be number one over Georgia. Please, <laughs> sir. Go ahead and do it. Go ahead and argue with me, Dave. No. It's gonna be a fun.
0: That's right. Well, you know, this is week two. Hopefully we did better week two than we did week one. I guess it's technically week one. I don't know. This week zero stuff throws me off. Whatever you want to call this one. This is our second episode. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you later. Good night, folks.